You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? It's been a long time, but welcome back to the Talking Chop podcast. This is episode eight. I am Carlos Palazzo, and finally, for what feels like the first time in a long time, Brad Roland, you're back on the podcast with me. How's it going tonight, sir? I'm good, man. I, I missed one. I should be held accountable for that. Um, you know, we can get into more about why we're recording in the middle of the week <laughs> later, but it has something to do with the North Carolina Tar Heels and. You traveling all over God's green earth covering basketball, which is just weird because it's basketball and you're covering it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah that's a weird situation for me. Normally, <laughs> normally when you think of basketball coverage, I would immediately point to you since you are the Hawks guru, you're the, the advanced analytics basketball guy, and I didn't even follow Ken Pomeroy until two days ago, but what listen, are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, listen, Bryce Johnson decided to take over and carry UNC to the final four. So, uh, no, I'm happy for you. That'll be good. Uh, and I'm glad we're back on the podcast. It's uh, almost opening day, and it's time for uh, more baseball talk and actual real games in less than a week. So I'm fired up, and I know you are too. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm definitely a baseball first kind of guy. Uh, it's, it's fun to cover the Tar Heels in the NCAA tournament, but this will be the last weekend for better or for worse, uh, which is good timing considering the opening day. which is right around the corner this weekend. And uh, once once that's done, I feel like we'll be able to get back on regular schedule. We did a good job for a while there. Seven straight weeks without missing a Sunday. That was nice. But um, tonight we're recording on a Wednesday night, and we got some things to talk about tonight. There's been some activity in Braves camp. We've got some moves. Uh, so I guess let's just jump right into it. The first, the big, the biggest news item, I guess for you, is Jeffrey and Gore made the team. How pumped are you for that? Because I know you talked about how much you like Jeff Francoeur. Obviously, you have your personal ties to him that you discussed in previous podcasts, but what are your thoughts on this? Are you surprised? Are the Braves going to win a World Series because Franchi is back on the team? Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth there. I think World Series favorite now. Uh, no, I, I'm, not as, <laughs> I'm not as excited <laughs> as the people would like to think that I am. Uh, not, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, only because it's a good PR move for them. Um, there are people that hate Francoeur, and that's kind of been well documented. Those are probably uh, the same people that like don't like puppies, right? Yeah, a lot of people on Twitter don't like Francoeur. I get it. Like he had the thing <laughs> where he, when he when he got set down, um, he kind of whined, and like people have held they've held on to that for a long time. And also, you know, he just wasn't as good as he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of that Jason Hayward thing where guys come up and they're not quite as good as they were supposed to be. Can we still um, say that about Hayward? Is that fair? No, I just I know I know me and you both think, but do we even like do like people who don't agree with the analytics, they still not think that he's done enough yet? Is that still I a thing? Think, 
Yeah, I think one of the reasons people don't like Hayward is that he was supposed to be this great hitter. Yeah. And this like big pot, like 30 home run guy, and okay. he was never that. Um, but no, I'm with you. He's actually been, you know, as good as advertised. Okay. Um, whereas Frankor obviously has was not. Uh, he had a couple years early when he was quite good, especially that first year when he was kind of, you know, the pro- the prodigal son rec- returning to Atlanta <laughs> and all that stuff. The natural comes but, uh, back. Yeah, the natural. That's a good one. Uh, that was the Sports Illustrated cover, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of him being on the roster now, like, it's a fine PR move. Um, he can hit. He can hit lefties reasonably well. Um, that's kind of an overblown as to how good he is against lefties. Uh, he's not awesome, but he's fine. Uh, he's not a horrendous defender. Like he can do some stuff. And listen, the bigger thing for me is that it's not like the Braves cut somebody of real substance. Um, they've kind of they got rid of Nick Swisher um, to make way. Uh, not necessarily just to make way for Frank Core, but you know Swisher was you know not having a great spring. Um, the Indians kind of bailed out the Braves a bit with a lot of money uh, for that. Um, and, you know, Swisher is probably, I don't know if he's better than Francoeur. It's kind of a toss-up between the two of them. But yeah. all things all things equal, the Braves will probably take the positive the positive PR. They might sell a few more tickets with Francoeur. Yeah, so it makes, it makes some sense to me. I'm, but, I'm you know. with you there. I, th- I think once I heard that Francoeur was coming into Braves camp, I kind of just assumed he was going to make the team just because there aren't those other uh, outfield options that you would like to have. So it's not like you're going to be taking Frank Core and putting him on the team uh, as opposed to some other player who could actually help you a little bit more. But um, it's funny because thinking back to when Nick Swisher first joined the team, I was actually still with uh, with Mark Bowman in, in the locker room. And after games, when this guy would come out after he finished showering and he would come out to talk to reporters, like just his knees were both iced up, ice wrapped around both of them, and he would just wobble out there, and I was like, man, like, how does this guy run around out there on the field? So I would have to imagine that Frank Hoare is a better option just because, like, he has two knees. So, I mean, I, I hope... Is that so, good? Uh, I think it's good to have knees. knees good? Like, I feel like you can run around a little bit better if you have knees. I'm actually doing some physical therapy for my right knee, so I would say that, yes, having having healthy knees is helpful. Um... But Swisher's a nice guy. He might be an overly nice guy. I hope he can do something. Hopefully, I, I don't know. I, I think it's about done for Nick Swisher, to be honest. I don't really know if he's going to be able to land anywhere else. But I think Frank Hoare at least gives you something. Yeah, Swisher was Swisher was better more recently. Like, he hit 22 homers in 2013 and was a positive player basically every year for about a decade mm-hmm. before that. Um, but yeah, he's he obviously a lot consistent. Yeah, he's obviously a lot older than Frank Hoare. Um and you mentioned it's kind of fallen off a cliff the last two years. Yeah. Um, he got paid, which is good. Uh, get get that money, Nick Swisher. Um, but yeah, it's he wasn't going to add a lot other than I mean he he takes a walk. It's about the only thing he still does at this point, uh, and he can't play defense really anywhere. Um, so it wasn't a surprise to see him go. Um, keeping Frank Gore over some of the other guys is kind of where you get into the. Uh, pick your poison type of thing. But as far as Swisher, it was not a shock to see him uh, not be on the opening day, open day roster, in my opinion. Yep, no, I agree with that. And then kind of staying in similar territory here, uh, it was recently announced that the Braves signed Drew Stubbs to a minor league deal and an invite to really the last couple days of camp. I mean, uh, he's not going to have a ton of time to make an impression. But all signs pointed to this being trouble for Emilio Bonifacio and or Michael Bourne. What are your, your quick takes on this? What do you think's the deal right here. Yeah, I thought as far uh, as what they, you think Drew Stubbs is as a player. I mean, last season was really his first negative WAR season, and 
Uh, before that, he was really kind of a power speed guy with kind of a low on base percentage. So what do we think he's going to be with the Braves if he's even going to make the team? Yeah, if you ask, if you ask me today, knowing what we know, I, I don't think he I don't think he will make the team. Uh, you mentioned he, you know, this is a guy with uh, two se- or I think three separate thirty stolen base seasons uh, with double digit power in each of those years. So like, there's there's some talent with Drew Stubbs, but you mentioned the batting average issues. Um, he's only hit over I think two fifty once in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ugly strikeout numbers. Uh, he, he'd be a guy that would drive Braves fans insane. Uh, he walks a little bit. Uh, a career 8.6% walk rate, which is just fine. Yeah, compared to um, that 30.3%. Yeah, the 30% strikeout, strikeout rate. rate would be uh, something that not <coughs> sit well with Braves fans. But yeah. I don't know. I, I think the fact that it was a minor league deal, um, and they could, they could probably stash him away in Gwinnett if, as sort of an emergency option, uh, thinks uh, – you know, you, you mentioned Bonifacio and Bourne. Mm-hmm. Bonifacio was already in trouble with the Francoeur uh, announcement that, that you know that basically said Francoeur's on the team. Um, Swisher being gone, you know, kind of softens the blow for Bonifacio. But in the end, they're probably only going to have room for one of these three guys, I would say. Yep. Uh, and I think Bourne is the safest bet to do that. He's the you know, he's a guy who's been there before. He's sort of the leader type in the clubhouse. So I, I know those guys value, and you know, he can or he, he can play defense. He can get on base. Bourne's a very low upside guy now uh, at this point in his career, but he's the sort of break break in case of emergency option. He's just a lot safer. Uh, Bonifacio gives you that value that he can play all play all over the place, but he's also not very good at playing <laughs> anywhere, uh, even defensively. And he he certainly could never hit. Um, he's very fast, so people think he's a good. You know, he used to hit lead off and drive us crazy for being. A guy who really couldn't hit, but always hit at the top of the lineup because he's fast, uh, sort of the Vroom Jose Constanza uh, type. Um, but if you ask me who's going to make the team, I would probably say Bourne by himself, and then Stubbs ends up in Gwinnett as the uh, guy who they, who they can bring up right away if something goes wrong. Yeah, and Stubbs is kind of interesting to me just because I mean we mentioned how his his hitting has fallen off last season in 78 games. He was just a 195 hitter with a 283 on base percentage. But in 2014, when he was with the Rockies, and I'm going to pull up his splits to see how much damage he did. Just like Coors, Coors Field, exactly. Yeah, but he was a 289, 339, 482 hitter, which is I mean that's impressive. It was 12 percent better than major league average. So. I think that there's a chance that he could still hang around and be a productive type guy off the bench for you, but by all accounts, his contact skills are basically gone at this point. And for a guy who strikes out that much and doesn't walk, I mean, you're really limiting what you're able to do offensively. And that's why uh, he's still trying to pick up with a team with just a few days left in spring training. But yeah, let's see. I have his splits in 2014. And yeah, pretty pretty quickly it becomes apparent that he did most of his work at home. He had a 145 WRC+. plus in Coors Field and away from Coors Field, that was all the way down to 72%. So, Not ideal. Yeah. Uh, and he, and you, he's, he's also 31 years old. Like That's not over the hill by any means. Yeah. But you're, you're talking about a, pros, a post-prime guy um, who was you know, a, a pretty good player in his prime at you know, 26, 27 years old. But we're looking at a guy who's, who's past that now. And I like the signing because you didn't – I mean, you know, it's a minor league contract. Take anything, a flyer. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I like that addition, um, but if you can get anything out of Nick, uh, Nick Swisher, uh, anything out of Drew Stubbs at the major league level this year would be a plus. And uh, I'm not sure he's good, but I'm also sh- I'm also not sure that he's useless either. Um, I know Coors Field helps you, but you still have to actually take advantage of it. Um, and those numbers were very very good. Um, 
15 homers and four and 24 plate appearances, even at Coors Field, is something when you when you when you're also a decent defender and you can and you and you can also run. So even if, I mean, if, if he if he was up as like a pinch runner type, you know, pinch hitter, somewhat of a power source. You could talk me into that, but in the end, I think I'll probably be in Gwinnett to start the season. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at his plate discipline numbers right now. I know I mentioned him losing some of his contact skills, and really, across the board, his plate discipline numbers look career worse in 2015. Uh, he was normally around 72% contact, um, and last season that dropped all the way to 63.8. If you look at his swinging strike percentage, he's normally around 116 for his career. And that jumped up to 14.6% in 2015. And it, you can especially tell on his out-of-the-zone contact percentage, which was 53% for his career. I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you, but it was 53% for his career making contact outside of the zone. And then 2015, that went all the way down to 37.5. So really across the board, you can see how he's just not putting the bat on the ball like he used to. So if, if he's not able to do that, I mean, it doesn't look like he can be a valuable offensive player. He doesn't draw walks enough. Uh, to use that speed that he may or may not still have at this point. So if he can manage to somehow bring that back, that would be encouraging. But based on everything I'm looking at, I'm not I'm not hoping for too much at this point with Stubbs. It's a flyer. That's all it is. That's all we should treat it as. It's yep. just being that it's this late in the game and Swisher's gone, uh, it's, it's sort of a nice talking point. But it's definitely a, a peripheral move uh, unless something uh, surprises us. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty perfectly. Uh, next little note to look at: Mike Fultonevich sent down to Gwinnett. Uh, was this this was today, I believe? Yeah. Yep. And really throwing a wrench into my starting pitching and bullpen projections that were posted this past week. I'm kind of disappointed about that because Fulty. I mean, it seemed like he was he was coming on strong, and he looks like he looked like he was going to do well. And I really wanted to hit my starting pitchers, but looks like I'm not going to do that, Brad. So that sucks. What what's the situation now with the fourth? Because uh, apparently Shasin has still not locked down his starting rotation spot either. We still got two two of those up for grabs at this point. But what do you think about the back end of the rotation? Who do you for, want to fill it, and who do you think will end up filling those two slots? Yeah, first of all, I'm I'm just glad the Braves uh, stuck it to you by uh, waiting <laughs> until after you wrote the big piece to send Volte to the minors. It's like it's um, like a couple days in the bullpen moves. I mean, they're just screwing me over here. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, sometimes the stuff that happens at the end of spring training where everybody's stuff uh, suddenly looks obsolete after a few hours. Um, just before we move on to the actual <laughs> guys who are contending for the rotation now, Fulte, it, lo- it looks like it's basically injury-related. Um, he admitted today to a pool of reporters, including Bowman and uh, D.O.B. and a couple other people, um, that he basically wasn't going to be ready to come up when the Braves needed that fifth starter spot mm-hmm. for the first time. So. I think he still has the inside track to get back in the rotation um, if he pitches well in the minors early and proves that he's healthy. Yeah, it, was, it, but, it seems everything I've read, you you brushed up more on this than me at this point, but is it basically just a matter of him not being able to stretch it out to to starting the starting number of pitches at this point? Like he still hasn't worked worked up to that amount of amount of pitching on the mound at this point? Is that what it is, just kind of behind in his recovery? Yeah, he's just not ready to go for a starting workload. I mean, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, given where he was injury yeah. you know, I mean, injury wise. Further ahead of the game than we expected, even even at that rate, I would I would argue. Yeah, and that was one. You know, last year one of his main issues was that he couldn't work deep into games because his pitch count would get up on him. So you factor that in. Um, 
with a, with a guy who's already battling an injury, and you're talking about a guy who would, would probably have trouble lasting through four innings right now. <laughs> so you can't really you can't you can't throw that guy out there knowing that you know it, it might take him 80 pitches to get through four innings, and good luck with that. Yeah. Um, but with him with him out of the picture at least for now, uh, it's kind of a three man race between Williams Perez, Yulis uh, Chastain, which you mentioned before, and John Gantz kind of uh, come out of nowhere and is uh, definitely in the mix now. According to all people that are plugged in down there um, with the team, um, for me, I, I'd love to see Shasin get a spot. But and he was kind of cruising in the early going, but he's kind of had a hiccup recently. Yeah. This sort of put him more um, put put that spot more in peril. For me, I would still go with him uh, as the guy with the uh, for me the greatest likelihood of being good this year. Um, and with that last spot. It's interesting. The Braves have sort of uh, been open to the fact that they, that they could keep all three of these guys, meaning that one of these guys would have to go to, to the uh, bullpen to start the season. Maybe even two of them because they don't they don't need that fifth spot yeah. for a, for you know at least a week. Um, so if they if they keep all three, then it's sort of a moot point, and I'd probably like to see uh, Gant as a starter um, more so than uh, Perez. Um, we, we've kind of talked about Perez a few times as a guy we don't really love. Um, but it might, his stuff might play more in a long relief role, uh, maybe more in a, in a bullpen role, just because he he doesn't he doesn't really have that varied uh, s- selection of offerings that you look for in a starter. He's more of like a two three pitch guy, um, whereas Gant the, the upside is not terribly high, but he looks like a starter to me. Yeah. Um, even if he's like a six starter uh, long term, that might be a guy that you could use, utilize in that role more effectively than Perez. So for me, give me Shasin and Gant, um, and we'll roll from there. But just just talking, just saying that out loud, <laughs> uh, having two of those guys in the rotation to start the season is kind of a bad omen. When especially when your your third starter, depending on what you ask, is either Matt Whistler or Bud Norris too. So it's not like this is going to be a good rotation. We're but, not going to have guys competing for a Cy Young Award here. Is that what you're trying uh, to tell me? Short of Julio getting uh, his peak peak form uh, over thirty starts, no, I don't think that's going to happen. But John Gant, uh, John Gant in twenty sixteen, we'll see. Yeah, Gant's an interesting guy for me, and I I think I agree with you. I think in general we agree about keeping guys in the starting rotation until they can prove that they're not a starter to us. And if the Braves are planning on starting Gant's service clock, regardless whether he's in the rotation or the bullpen, I'd much rather see him in the starting rotation and see what he can do. Um, I don't really need to touch on Perez much more than you did. I agree with everything you said there. I definitely think his role is a long relief type guy moving forward. And Shasin could definitely surprise us. I mean, he's, what, 28 years old still? And he's shown flashes. So, I mean, I if we had to predict the starting rotation at this point, would it be Shasin 4 and Gantt 5? Or I mean, I don't really know what else it would be. I guess maybe, maybe the Braves brass believes in Perez as a starter more than we do. But Yeah, it's, t- it's tough to project just because you don't know what – Especially, who, I don't really know whose call it is. If yeah. it's Fred, if it's Freddie's call, he might want to go. He might go with Perez, knowing what Perez was able to do ERA wise last year. Um, we can talk about his Yikes. peripherals all day, but if Freddie's drawn to what he thinks is production from last year at the major league level, he might lean with Perez. But we also don't know who's who's who uh, has the ultimate say there, and we haven't really heard as a lean either way. I think Shasin, unless he's a disaster this week. Um, is in the rotation, but the uh, that last spot is going to be uh, up for grabs, and good luck pinpointing what Freddie and uh, and Coffey are going to do with that. <laughs> All right, moving on to another one of the younger pitchers. Uh, this one related to an injury as well, but not as optimistic as Faulty maybe. Manny Benuelos has had some elbow soreness, 
and he hasn't pitched since March 22nd. They had an MRI. The MRI came back negative. Uh, so that's encouraging, but at the same time, this is a guy who had Tommy John surgery back in 2012, and uh, his injury history has really limited him as a starter. I mean, his velocity has never been the same as it was, what it was before that. He's had some, um, was it floating bodies in his elbow, some structural stuff that he had to get cleaned up last year. Uh, so just kind of continued struggles with Benuelos for, for just staying healthy. Um, this isn't encouraging for me because this is one of those guys where it just seems like you can never catch a break. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the situation, Brad? I mean, he was a guy that was going to compete for a uh, back end of the rotation spot entering spring training. Yeah, I was going to say that if you didn't, I, I would have loved to see him being well start the season in the rotation just because that's a guy with real talent. Um but you mentioned that the the injury the injury history is not not encouraging, and for this to be happening again, it's not as though he's shut down uh, at least officially yet. But he's not he's not a factor um, as far as opening day is concerned. And like this might be you know talking talking about you talking about arm injuries, shoulder injuries, like anything in that range. Good luck, man. Um, and he wasn't that good last year in that small sample um, with with the big league club. But, but prior to that, AAA, he was lights out. I mean, a two point two three ERA and sixteen starts. Like that's AAA. It doesn't mean mean, mean a whole lot. But he's he's just he just turned twenty five years old, yeah. um, and has some stuff. Like he's not a, he's not a future ace by any means. But you're talking about a guy who could profile as a you know middle of the rotation guy. Um, and that's super valuable if they can get him on track. But his whole time with the Yankees, he battled injury stuff, and you never you never want to hear that kind of stuff, especially now uh, after a few weeks and months of getting ready for the season. It's not, this was a delayed start to spring. It was sort of a shutdown ish situation late in the late in the game, which is not what you want to see. So uh, I wish he was healthy. I wish they, uh, the Braves had another option that uh, was more promising for the future. Um, but you know, take it easy with him. Uh, that's I'm on board with uh, the Braves taking it slow and sort of playing it out in the best possible way there because that's a guy who can bring value. Even, even if he ends up as a reliever um, long term because he just can't physically hold up as a starter. Yep. Uh, that happens a lot with these guys who can't stay healthy. They end up going to a relief role and that better suits them. That might be his long term uh, future. But you know, even if that's the case, he could be a valuable reliever. He has the stuff for it. Yeah, I agree. And and really every day. Every time we hear something else, it kind of just puts more of a damper on on this whole situation. And like you said, he's a talented guy. And I mean, before he had these injuries, he was he was like a top of the rotation type of talent. So it is disheartening to hear about his continued struggles in this regard. But uh, hoping the best for him. Hopefully, some rest will will clear it up. I, I mean, that's the best case scenario. But it's not looking good at this point. We'll continue to keep tabs on this as it develops. Um, Let's move on to some position players, specifically the uh, the hypest position players the Braves have in their organization at this point, uh, Dansby Swanson and Ozzy Albies. And it seems like they're likely to start in different places in the minor leagues, so both of them would stick at shortstop. I mean, last time on the podcast we talked about the, the merit of Swanson and Albies playing the same infield, switching off between shortstop and second base together. Um I think I was kind of indifferent to that, considering the uh, the great chemistry that we heard about with these two guys. But if this is the case, I think that's a smart move. I like I, I would like to see them both play shortstop for as much as they can because it's the more difficult position. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Brad? We've talked about these guys a lot, but 
Yeah, we have. Uh, it really was just news, and that. Um, yeah, I think it, no. I think it's a. I think it's interesting to talk about that they are going to be starting at different levels. But what do you what do you think about? Because I didn't even get to ask you about who you thought would be the better shortstop. Do you have any any preference in that regard? I think I think long term you're better off with Swanson um, at playing shortstop. Mm-hmm. For me, like you mentioned, I, I would rather have those guys both play shortstop as long as you, as long as I can. Um, I don't think either one of them is going to have any troubles transitioning to second base. If that's where they end up going um, long term, because you know, obviously, long term you have to make a decision at some point, or just on trade these one guys, up. or trade one of them. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think it's very, uh, it'd be very short sighted to move one of them to second base now yeah. just so they can play together. Exactly. That seems kind of silly to me. I don't think we even talked about this last time, but I feel like moving one to second now and kind of turning him into a second baseman, although that was never the plan, I don't think. I think it was just to switch him back and forth. I think if you can prove that you you can be a competent shortstop moving up through the minors and higher levels, I think that's better for their value. If, if one of them was to be traded at some point, I think it would be better um, for the Braves in that in that perspective. But Oh, there's no question. Like Moving him second is basically locks you into that player as a second baseman. Yeah. Um, and like... That's a move you do when they both reach the majors, um, basically as late as you possibly can. You don't want to do that ahead of time because it kills their value. Like You don't want to pigeonhole Albies as a second baseman because if you do that, then if he doesn't pan out, you can't move him. Well, you could still move him as a shortstop. But you've the wasted more, him. Deve- yeah, you've wasted yeah, his development time. Like I don't, I don't have any fear that these guys can't transition quickly to second base if you need them to at the major league level. So, just roll them out. Um, take it, take it slow with both guys. You don't have to rush them. Um, by the end of the year, they'll both be in Double A or higher, I would imagine. Um, so, you know, take it easy. Play both at shortstop as much as you can. See, see who, see who looks better there defensively. Like in the end, even if you think that this is your dream middle infield, one of those guys has to move, and you can just pick and choose which one. I, I think most people would would pick Swanson to stay at shortstop long term if they had to choose right now, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen long term. Maybe Albie's is the second coming of Anderson Simmons <laughs> defensively. What, what do we, I mean, we that's not going to happen. Can't put that on anyone, Brad. Yeah, that's, that's mean. <laughs> agreed. I'm just saying, like, what if what if something happens and uh, Albies is suddenly incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've said it since day one that I thought he was a second baseman. And he continuously proves people wrong, so you never know. Yeah, like I have, I have no beef with um, trying both guys at short and seeing who sticks. That's mm-hmm. basically the uh, the end of it. And uh, maneuvering those guys to play with each other is just short sighted. You don't need to do that right now. Yeah, I don't think that I should have any kind of merit talking about Braves shortstop prospects because I once wrote that Tyler Pasternicki was the future shortstop for the franchise. So. I probably shouldn't even be talking to you guys about this. <laughs> do you know who Tyler Pasternicki is, Brad? Do I know who, the pastor? <laughs> what do you mean? I know who he is. <laughs> well, you're just so stunned. I don't know if you're stunned that I, I was. That I, I was admitted stunned. that I wrote that, uh, or you just didn't listen, know who the guy was. There, <laughs> there were many people that thought the he was Rev. the So, oh, I'm just, I'm really just reflecting on on the era. That it was um, when Pasternicki was the guy at shortstop. I'm talking like chop. My seasons. avatar was Tyler Pasternicki. I was all aboard that train. Oh, that is that is perfection. We should we should just end the podcast now. <laughs> Let's just all go home. Oh man, we probably should, but we're gonna we're gonna batter on for a few more segments. Talk about a few more things. Um, the great, the legend, the the one third of the trio of the greatest bullpen in recent Braves memory. Eric O'Flaherty has been acquired. 
Uh, he could be the only left-handed relief option the Braves have, at least entering opening day after Alex Torres was released. What do you think about EOF? Has he got anything in the tank, Brad? Uh, no, probably. <laughs> no, He's, I, I uh, sad with these relievers. You mentioned O'Flair. Like O'Flair was fun, like as part of that trio. Yeah. Um now he's thirty one now. Uh he was a disaster a year ago. Uh eight point one oh ERA in thirty nice. innings. Um granted he he had a four point six FIP, which isn't good, but it's also not an eight point one ERA. Yeah, um, you're you're really trying to to make it seem okay at this I'm point. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, I'm try- I like EOF. I always did. Um, he mm-hmm. was never as good as his ERA was in Atlanta when you look at the peripherals. Yeah, but at the same time, like he's pro- he's probably an upgrade on what the internal options were previously. That's not really saying a lot because the left-handed options were so bad that none of them are around anymore. Yep. Um, you know, finalized with Torres is kind of the last guy who was cast off. Um, but I have I have no beef taking a shot on O'Flaherty. If he's good, you can flip him. Um, if nothing else, like he's a guy with a proven track record. So if he if he shows that again that he can be a good um, a good lefty specialist, then yeah, go go to him. And if not, then you know it was a low cost uh, acquisition that you just that kind of just flamed out, and you needed a lefty. They had to pick up somebody. Uh, they obviously didn't trust Torres if they. They sent Torres to minor league camp, and then they just outright, outright released him right after that. So that was not a guy that they were uh, terribly invested in. So Flaherty could be worse, could be better, and uh, if he's if he's even decent, uh, this is a win. Yeah, I'm looking back now at his 2011 season, which is definitely his best season, and his peripherals were better than any other season. But he also had a 92.3 percent left on base, like strand rate. He stranded 92 percent of the people that were on base. That seems good. Which is incredibly good, and it makes me question if he was ever actually good. Um, but no, he definitely had a, a few good years, but he's had three negative war seasons, not logging a ton of innings because he just isn't that great anymore. Um, like you said, this is like similar to the Drew Stubbs acquisition. Take a flyer on the guy, see what he can do for you. You don't have any other options that are that are better that you're going to be taking away from. So what the heck? Let's just get all the old Braves players and put them on the field for the last season at Turner Field, right? Somebody find Johnny Venters after oh, yes. after his twelve Tommy John surgeries, and maybe he can go out and throw a few innings for us. He but can, yeah, no. he can throw the opening pitch for the for opening day. Shout out to Johnny Venters, who was still trying to pitch. It's incredible <laughs> that he's even still trying to pitch at this level. Um, and that guy was so so good in it when he was on in his prime. My goodness. Yeah, I think this just this whole conversation really speaks to how short your career is when you're a reliever. Like that's why I was perfectly fine with Craig Kimbrell leaving. I mean, I know everyone loves Craig Kimbrell and he's one of those guys that maybe you think of as an exception to the rule, but relievers are scary, man. Oh, they're terrifying. I mean, I I understood the Braves Braves country's outrage with the uh, the Kimbrell trade cuz, you know, he was awesome as, you know, best best closer in the league for the last few years that he was in Atlanta, but you want to you want to sell hard on relievers yes. if they have value. It's, it's the same thing that's going to happen with Jason Grilly. If Jason Grilly is good this year, get him out of here in June. I mean, Grilly's good. He's been good. He was good when he was healthy in Atlanta before. Yeah, but elite relievers are luxuries so, for for teams that can afford them. And absolutely. if you're not a team that's competing and you have everything else squared away, you should try to get as much as you can for them. Uh, and then, and we've seen in the past the Braves are pretty good at turning. Uh, some random guys you've never heard of into fairly quality relievers, so that should be the uh, that should be the way to do it, in my opinion. 
But uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the season coming up. Obviously, opening day is on the way. Um, do we have any predictions for the NL East? I know I've written a couple of predictions for a couple different outlets that reached out. I know Chris did as well. We did the playing pepper thing that's been going on for a while now on the Cards Enclave website. I don't know if you're familiar with that, by the way, but that's always fun to do. Uh, but what are your predictions for the Braves this season, Brad? Where do you think they're going to finish in the division? Do you have a, a win-loss record you want to throw out there at us? Or Man, is it too scary to say? It is scary. Um, I'm going to say the Braves finished last. Wow. They're falling uh, behind the Phillies? I'm guessing you're going Phillies, Phillies number four. Um, yeah. That's a tough call. I think that's its own tier. Uh, the Braves and the Phillies are in their own tier as far as the division is concerned. Yeah. Um, they're definitely going to be four and five. Um, there's pretty much no doubt in my mind about that. Even with Miami taking a bit of a step back, in my opinion, um, talent-wise. I mean, they, they, they do have Stanton and Fernandez back, so... There's not too much you can argue with with, with those two guys, but a lot um, of people are picking the the Marlins as kind of a sleeper team in the East. I I don't see it. I don't. They're 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 significantly better than the Braves and the Phillies. There's no <laughs> question about that. But I think uh, I think it'll be a two a two horse race between the Mets and the Nats uh, at the top, which makes any Braves fan cringe because those are team teams that I can't stand <laughs> as a Braves fan. But um, yeah, I'm taking the Braves last. Um, I'm gonna say. 66 and 96 66 all right does that add up that's right yeah 66 and 96 i'm gonna say the phillies uh 67 95 one game ahead of the braves okay uh miami somewhere in that 500 range um we'll just say 81 and 81 for the purposes of this mm-hmm. uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna take the nats to win the nl east all right. Uh, which is finally actually do something instead of yeah. I think it's I think this is uh, it's that time where the pressure's kind of off Washington and onto the Mets, which is a unique spot for the Nationals because everybody th- the last few years has been anointing Washington before the season started as mm-hmm. the uh, World Series champs, and things have gone very very wrong. Um, <laughs> it, I've taken great pleasure in that as uh, someone who does not root for the Nationals, um, and the Dusty Baker hire was comically bad in my opinion. But at the same time, Matt Williams w- was probably worse. So I think Dusty Baker's an upgrade. And um, I don't trust the Mets yet. That might be controversial. Um, the, Mets, the Mets pitching is real, and I'm not saying that it's not. But the, uh, everything kind of aligned for them um, in the lineup with Suspedes kind of losing his mind down the stretch last year. And Washington, don't sleep on Yoenis now. No, he's still good. <laughs> I just He's not, no, he's just, not uh, Lou Gehrig, whatever it was last year. Um, he was for about a month. He did his yeah, best impersonation. He was incredible. But uh, give, me, yeah, give me the Nats. I think Strasburg finally has the Strasburg season. I wrote this. I had the uh, unenviable task of writing about the Nationals this week as our uh, our preview guy for the mm-hmm. team. Uh, Didn't so, you love yeah. that? Just going to start no. with your favorite team? But yeah, hey, I'm so, with the Phillies. You, you guys can check out the Phillies preview Friday. So. Oh, get deep in the Phillies preview. Yes. I missed that. Um, but no, I'm... Uh, Give me, uh, give me the Nats and uh, the Mets finish a couple games back. I think the Mets are a wild card team, so right. they're they're both getting the playoffs. But give me the Nats. Cool, I like you, that because yeah. mine mine's a little bit different. The only thing that we have the same is I think the Marlins are the number three team. Uh, I agree with you with the Phillies and the Braves being in that bottom tier. 
But I do. Th- I like the Braves lineup a little bit more than the Phillies, just because you got uh, Freeman. I still think Marquez is useful. Ibar is going to be giving you some some quality abs at least for a little while if he's not traded. Um, Enciarte can can do a little bit against righties. So I think the Braves lineup is going to be better than it was last year. The starting rotation is where this can make me look terribly stupid because there's no telling what they're going to do. But I think the Braves are going to finish 70 and 92. That's the number I stuck with for one of my projections. So I'll stick with it here. Such so, a homer, Carlos. Such that, a homer. <laughs> yeah, 70 and 92 Braves homer over here. Um, the Phillies, I don't, I don't think they have enough at this point. So I'll, I'll plug plug them into the the cellar again, uh, and then at the top, I the Mets pitching is just ridiculous, and and Stephen Matz didn't really throw that much for them last season, so I think as long as he's healthy and he's going to come in and really make that rotation even better. I don't know if you can count on all those guys having the years they did last season, but they're all still young. I mean, this is one of the the best starting rotations, if not the best in the game at this point. And the Nationals did not get rid of Jonathan Papelbon, so there's no way they can finish first, right? That's going to be my logic moving forward, at least. And I think I despise the Nationals more than the Mets, just because I'm a little bit younger, and I didn't have the whole Mets hatred growing up. Uh, But Bryce Harper also looks like he's entering God mode at this point, so you never know. Yeah, I've found that people uh, in your age range, I mean, we're not that far apart, but Mm. I'm significantly older than you. You old man, Brad. Yeah, but I uh, I'll always have a special place uh, in terms of hatred for the Mets. Um, but yeah, Mets are definitely the new new kid on the block. That every everybody in uh, high school and college as a Braves fan hates the Nats the most. Yeah, I think it's it's hard not to blame them. When I really started following the Braves seriously, the Mets kind of sucked, so I just laughed at them. It's but, like the Phillies; it's the you, same thing. Like yeah. all these young people that don't understand how much that. Braves fans hate the Phillies. Like the Phillies were awesome for a while, yeah, and it good. was not any fun as a Braves fan. <laughs> but now the Phillies are so bad that it's like, oh, point and laugh at the Phillies. Yeah, the Phillies are like the Nationals were when they first like became the Nationals, and they were like terrible. They were like the worst team in baseball every year, and and that's I think that's actually the time when didn't the Nationals, when they were terrible, really like have a good record against the Braves when they were good for a while. Yes, that is absolutely. So I think that might be my like the the emergence of my hate for the Nationals. But I'm going to take the Mets number one and the Nationals number two after that that tangent of my fandom. I'm cool with that. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, like, like I said, it's, it's a two-team race. I, I'm not going to get mad at anybody that picks anybody except for the Mets and the Nationals. I don't see it with the Marlins. But look, if Jose Fernandez is as good as he's supposed to be. He'll get traded. And, no, he won't. <laughs> hey, do you know who their owner is? That would not surprise That's me at all true. if they listen, traded him. Listen, they have the worst ownership in baseball, um, so they're capable of anything. But might be scary the, if the moon if Stan- and a spaceship to get to the moon for that guy. Yeah, if, if Stan and Fernandez are, are healthy and cooking, uh, Miami's a bit terrifying. But if not, good luck. Yeah, still, so even though even even then, like I don't think two guys are enough to to catapult you above. The Nationals and the Mets, especially when the Nationals have their own guy and Bryce Harper, who's capable of putting up Stanton numbers. Um, but let's move on to some bold predictions. Uh, do you have anything off the top of your head that you want to throw out there and really shock the world? I think I've got one in my back pocket. Ooh, go ahead. I might. I'm need a minute to gather my thoughts on okay. that. One, but you got. I'm right. sure you got a take that we'll all love. I don't know if I have like anything specific on this as far as like throwing out a number. But I'm going to say that Matthew Whistler is going to be the Braves' best starting pitcher this season. 
Uh, and I'm going to say he's going to have a sub 3.2 ERA. Is that bold enough to be considered oh, that's a bold take? Yeah, he's working um, with Glavin with that changeup. I want him to ditch the curveball. I want him to just use that slider. I think the slider is going to be consistent this year. That's probably the the pitch that I'm highest on. I'm very high on Matt Whistler's slider, which is a very specific thing to be high on. But I like it. I like his mentality. Um, his fastball is better than I thought it was. If he can improve the command there, I think he's got all the tools to be a mid to even top of the rotation guy if he can reach that ceiling. Um, so I'm going to say that Matt Whistler is going to be the Braves' best pitcher at the end of the season, and he's going to finish the year with 3.2 ERA. Please do not hold me to this because that. Oh, I already the more, wrote I, down. the more I talk about this, the the, the more crazy it sounds. It so. is in my notes on my MacBook already. I wrote it down. Just I, now. I regret this immediately, but I'm sticking with it. I like Whistler. Whistler. Talking to him last year was fun. So, Team Whistler, let's go. I like I like Whistler a lot. He did post, <laughs> he did post a 4.71 ELA last year. Don't, don't tell the people about that. <laughs> 19 starts, so only a run and a half better. Um, listen, I'll be happy. I, that's the thing about this. Let me say this now, my, my, my mini rant. People assume that um, if you don't have the highest opinion of the current Braves, that you're not rooting to be wrong. Yeah. Um, you know... We're capable of being impartial, um, at least to a degree. As writers, I I often have to cover things that I have no interest in, um, no rooting interest in, and like I'm capable of being uh, impartial. But in the end, I want the Braves to win. Um, so me predicting a 66 win Braves th- season, uh, I'll be just fine if they win 83. <laughs> like I'll be very not be excited to that be your wrong. prediction was wrong. Like people always want to come back and like point and laugh. Look, man, I'll be. So glad if I'm wrong. I'll be glad if you're right about Matt Whistler. Uh, I'll be thrilled. I, th- I hope he's thrilled. awesome. I like him a lot. So I hope you're right. Um, I came up with mine while you were doing that also. All right. Um, teamwork. Let's go. My my bold prediction, at least one of my – I might have two. But my, 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 my one is that Julio Tehran will be the Braves' all-star representative. All right. Okay. Which, I think Freddie which Freeman means is that Freddie favorite, Freeman right? will not be it. So you think they'll only have one again? I may only get one. Um, this is kind of like a two. I like this one's interesting because you're kind of banking two, on Freeman not yeah, being good. No, yeah, or, there's or two, like not couple, having an all-star season, I guess. A couple things there. Um, I think the Braves only get one, and it's and it's Tehran. Um, I think if they get two, it will be Tehran and whoever the closer is, mm-hmm. not Freeman. I think it'll either be Grilly or uh, Vizcaya, <laughs> depending on how that goes. Um Freeman, I love Freeman, but um, even if he's good, he plays first base. Yeah, sorry. Uh, you kind of you kind of have to be awesome to be for to be an all star first baseman, um, and it will not help his case if the Braves are bad, which they're going to be. Yeah, um, especially offensively, um, a pitcher can kind of make his own way um, to a certain degree. Like win loss record is archaic, and we know that. Mm-hmm. But if if Julio goes out and has a sub two five ERA in the first half, he's going to make the All Star team. That's what happens. Yep. Um, whereas Freeman, he doesn't he doesn't really have the power um, background to facilitate an All Star berth. Um, like he'd have to go into the probably go into the All Star rank with twenty home runs or something close to that to really be considered as a uh, All Star pick mm-hmm. at first base. And like I don't really see that with Freeman. Yeah, and I don't know if you were going to touch on this, but 
He's got Paul Goldschmidt and Anthony Rizzo in the same league. And Joey Votto. Yeah, and Joey Votto. Just Joey Votto. Who's awesome. And who's a clear number three. And Joey Votto is incredible. Like, yeah. Joey Votto is much better than Freddie Freeman. No yeah, all three of those guys are, are a tier above Freddie Freeman. I don't yeah. think that's so, much and of a was, So it wasn't a shot at Freeman, but it was also meant to be a bit of a, a, bit of a bold prediction on, on Julio. Mm-hmm. Julio was kind of bad last year, uh, quietly. Um, but I think he bounces back strong. I'm not sure I'm going to predict him for a sub-3 ERA, but somewhere in that three range, uh, low threes, high twos at the end of the year would not surprise me. He might win seven games in <laughs> uh, his Shelby Miller uh, impression from a year ago, but I think who is going to be good. Um, I still believe in his talent. Um, we saw that a couple years ago, how good he can be. Yeah, I mean, so, if you look at Shelby Miller, he was the lone all-star representative, and he had a terrible win-loss record. So, Oh, but, he, man, he was so good early last year. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll never forget the, the most hate I've ever received as a Talking Chop writer was when, I, was when I wrote that the regression was coming for Shelby Miller, and people wanted to burn me. <laughs> and I was right. You were right. But that's okay. <laughs> what, do you remember anything specific that someone said to you, like an insult or something? Um, it was really about how I couldn't predict that he would get worse, even though every peripheral suggested he would get worse. Um, I don't remember anything specific, but like it was a tidal wave. Because remember, <laughs> this, was, this was during the, the time last year when the Braves were like competing, like surprisingly competing early. Um, not, you know, not like lighting the world on fire, but they weren't out of the race yet. They were still sort of in that peripheral wild card hunt yeah. early. And Miller was like the biggest key to that. He was awesome. And there was no doubt about that. But um, the community did not take kindly to me suggesting he, that he would come back to earth. I think you should just come back at all of them right now after we finish this podcast and just I love how you're right. I like Shelby Miller too. I, I, like, it like pained me. It wasn't like I was saying he was bad. I just yeah. said he wasn't going to have a – I think at the time he had like a one five ERA or something. That's sustainable. It was preposterous, like how lucky he was getting. Um, but anyway, uh, R.I.P. Shelby Miller era, <laughs> and uh, we can talk about more about bull predictions. But I just want to throw that out. There. I don't even know how we got on that, but that's what happens when we're recording at eleven thirty p.m. Yeah, I feel like when it's just me and you, we tend to to get off on tangents even more than when we have guests. I don't know. We have fun. We do. I like it. We've got this. We've got this chemistry built up. Uh, kind of like Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson, right? You like that? I can't talk about Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you said you had a second bold prediction. I don't know if I have another one. I might be able to think of one, but you want to give us your second? I do. I have one more. Um, Adonis Garcia will not be the starter at third base after May 15th. May 15th? Wow. You're not giving him any shot, are you? He might be. Like, Listen, they might settle into a platoon. Uh, like a straight platoon with Kelly Johnson and Garcia, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But this notion that Garcia is going to be the everyday third baseman, I don't get it. I don't see it. Um, him hitting cleanup is a comedy show, in my opinion. Um, we won't even get in a lot of construction because that opening, the quote unquote opening day lineup that Freddie's been trotting out the last few days in spring training is going <laughs> to drive me nuts for a team that's bad. I shouldn't get so worked up about line construction, but. Uh, as, of, as for Garcia, I just don't think he's that good. Um, and for me, it should be a platoon. Even if he proves to be decent, um, I just don't see him being the, long, the long-term guy there. So I think give it a month, maybe six weeks, and he'll be uh, either in a platoon or out of a job. That's my second bold call. I like that one as well. And I also thought of another one. 
this is going to be about Hector Oliveira because I've been a little bit higher on him than most people, I feel like. So here's his, here's his line for 2016. You ready for this? Absolutely. All right. 285, 340, uh, slugging, slugging, um, 450 with 23 home runs. Oh, I don't hate this at all. I'm in on this. I'm still, I'm still a little confused as to whether or not this is bold enough, but based on uh, the average Braves fan's perception of Hector Oliveira, I think this would be um, extremely bold. But he's hit the crap out of the ball during spring. I'm still not convinced if the power, if he's going to be able to hit that many homers, but that's why it's a bold prediction, right? So 23 yeah. home runs for Hector Oliveira this season. I would, I would love that. Even though I killed the trade, and I will always kill the trade, I would love that. So that'd be good. All right. I think that's all I got for you tonight, Brad. Uh, that's plenty of boldness, I think, for one <laughs> for one evening. Uh, we're almost we're almost opening day. I'm I couldn't be more excited. Uh, even for a team that we don't have high expectations for, it's it's nothing quite like the start of baseball season. Yeah, you know you're a baseball nerd when you you're quite excited for this year's team, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. Like, it may not be. We didn't even get to talk about the Braves' food. Oh my god! Can we, we'll can we close that. on that or no? Yeah. Oh yeah. Are we'll you going to get a burgerita at Turner Field? Are you going to die at Turner Field eating food while watching this team? We're not going to go too deep. So <laughs> let, me, let, let me let me recommend. Um, this is going to sound funny, but um, on the CBS Ion Basketball podcast, yes, you heard that right, Ion Basketball. Okay. With uh, Zach Harper and my good friend Robbie Calland. I like um, Robbie. They, they did about 20 minutes on Braves food. Sorry, um, we're not going to give you the guys that. Tonight. And that was <laughs> incredible. So go listen to that for all of the uh, the real breakdown. But the Braves just have no shame at all with their <laughs> new menu items. Uh, Carlos's favorite is obviously the Burgerita. He's mentioned <sighs> it offline a few times. But, man, there's like seven or eight just incredible, uh, like, just no regard for human life. Um Food options at Turner Field. I don't know. I don't, I'm not really sure what they're going for, but whatever it is, I'm on board. <laughs> they're off the rails, and it's great. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go down as you know, probably within that first week or two, and just start trying stuff. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe we'll have a maybe I'll do a talking chop feature on all the food. <laughs> Let's do it. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be the burger eats. Uh, is we should do like number one for me. We should so. do like a live podcast where you're actively eating the food and telling us like how your health is declining immediately. Listen, and, and if, we can get good like. enough, if we can get good enough Wi-Fi down there, I'm, I'm on board for that. <laughs> I'm sold. All right. I think that about wraps us up for tonight. As always, you can follow Brad at BT Roland on Twitter. You can follow myself at Carlos A. Colazzo. Uh, it was a fun talk tonight, Brad. Appreciate that. Opening day is coming up. Uh, follow the site at Talking Chop. And be sure to check in on the site for all of our season preview stuff that's been going on. Still some more to come with that including this Philadelphia Phillies preview, the juggernaut Philadelphia Phillies. Um, With that, thanks, guys, for listening. Take care. We're going to zip line out of here.
Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.